Hey everyone, this is Jason from Sheep Out of Water. Quick message before you listen to this episode. As Chris and I connect in an attempt to discern objective truth in a subjective world, we admit searching for truth is messy. We're bound to say things that inadvertently upset people. We believe in the dignity of each person. Hence, the key word is inadvertent. What we express here is part of the practice of our religion through Jesus' great commission to evangelize. That which we express does not represent our current employers, their stakeholders, or partners. We're humans and capable of being wrong, so we reserve the right to change our minds. This is an important key to the search of truth. Remember, this podcast is not about you. Frankly, if we hit the mark, it's not about us either. It's about all of us. Thanks for joining us, and we hope you like this episode. I'm recording, brother. That's what it says. It gives me a big old warning. <laughs> we have taken the next uh, step in our journey, so here we go. <laughs> We're both wearing headsets. And headsets. <laughs> Technical <laughs> fool. <laughs> okay, well, welcome, everybody. We're episode two. Are we ready to jump into to this week's readings? I'm ready. Okay. Where, where do you want to start? I'll, I'll let you, uh, you get to choose. Well, I'll tell you what, the first reading uh, for this Sunday, the 17th Sunday of Ordinary Time, I know that the bishops and whoever's responsible for putting together the Sunday readings can't include everything, but I really wish they included the verse before the verse that starts the readings this weekend, because Abraham uh, has just kind of been talking to the Lord and the angels have left. And so it's when, of course, we know that Abraham intercedes on behalf of Sodom. And right before the readings get started, it says, I have singled him out that he may direct his children and his household in the future to keep the way of the Lord by doing what is right and just. And I thought, why couldn't we have had that? Because it's a direct challenge to fathers and husbands to recognize that God has called each and every one of us to not only to follow him, but to lead and direct our children and our households in the future to keep the way of the Lord. So great reading. Uh, I just yeah. wish they had included that one verse. Cause if I were in the pews, which I will be on Sunday, it would just make me take my big American fist and beat my chest and say, yes, bring them to the Lord. I, I got a kick at it. Cause uh, for those of you at home, we were talking about, things on on sunday and i'm like all right I, i'm i'm kind of tired of some particular topics in our, in our culture and, and um they're related to sodom and gomorrah and, and of yeah. course the first reading is about that i was like all right thanks lord <laughs> so i felt like that was a challenge to dive into it and so i what struck me was i got really focused on this in my mind it was a negotiation you know like you know, Abraham's negotiating with the Lord that, hey, are you really going to take out these, these cities, you know? And, and I'm like, okay, what's that all about? Like, what is the, what, what are, what's the author trying to tell us? What was the truth that, that's being purveyed? Because I, I know my my uh, infant stages as a, as a believer and, and a reader uh, of scripture, I, you know, I would tend to try to take things literal and this wouldn't make any sense to me. Like, he's God, why is he even talking to Abraham? <laughs> um, you know about about this seems like he's made up his mind but so I kind of dove into this exchange right where he's like well if there's 55 innocent people are you you know 
what are you going to do then? And the Lord's like, well, you know, I'll spare the entire city if there's 55 people. And he, you know, barters, keeps going back in the whole pattern. You know, it gets down to 10 people, 10 people in the entire city. And he'll, he'll spare the city. I'm like, okay, what's, what's this trying to tell me? And so that's where, where I, I dove into that question and started, you know, finding all these kinds of things and thinking through it. And a couple things popped out. One, it's this reminder that, you know, this is God's justice. He's the one that ultimately decides what's just and what's what's not. Per what you're just saying, right? Like we would just had the, the the first part of the reading, but maybe this might come out a little bit clearer. But I, I stumbled on it later. So that was one thing. But then it was this this point that if there were just ten innocent people in an entire city, this this wouldn't happen. The city wouldn't get wiped out. So it's it's almost this message of, and we say this all the time to our kids, right? They're when we try when they're struggling with something. It's like, hey, and I say this at work a lot too. It's control what you can control. Yeah. Which this message sure. of, hey, when there's all these things around us that's crazy and people are doing all this stuff they don't agree with, and we tend to want to point the finger and point out all the flaws and all that kind of stuff of what they're doing rather than just trying to live justly and focus on our own behavior and, and living rightly would then impact others, right? Right. So I see this this message like God's pruning his kingdom, right? And if he allows this this complete utter lost city of everyone's and everyone's complicit, that's what the message is. There's not, not a single innocent person. If he doesn't prune this city, that's gonna spread, right? Yeah. So that's justice if you think about it. And but if there was just 10 people that were trying to live rightly, it would spread the other way. So yeah, I didn't me, think about the, that, but that's the message. That's great. Right? To me, yeah. that's what, what hit me is like, well, if, if we live just, that's where we can kind of participate in in this, right? But that's all we can really do is choose to try to live rightly and justly and hope that that plants to see yeah kind of like that image of the uh you know candle in the night or the the light outweighs the darkness that you can have darkness all around completely surrounding you and you light one candle and you can see that i don't know how many miles away you know right. if, if you're able with the naked eye that you can see that so yeah I, I didn't even think about it that way that just 10 in sodom could have been enough to pull the good in the other direction uh against all of those who were living and what we hear here is uh, grave sin, you know, right. pulling the population the other way. Yeah. I, mean, I kind of, go ahead. No, I mean, that, that's the language of it, right? Like, the, the, you know, there's these cries out of, of, of what's going on, and God has to be like, well, I need to check this out. Like, <laughs> you know, but it, it's that bad that, it, you know, it's that grave. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. So. Well, what I got uh, from that very first part there, uh, you know, as we're we're working through this as Catholic dads, was uh, sometimes when we're together on a Sunday and we hear both of our kids simultaneously screaming from the basement and the boom, 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 boom up the stairs, <laughs> "Mom, Dad, what you got? What Luke you got or Nora did this in the first episode." <laughs> and their sins are crying out. Uh, you know, they're crying out against each other in accusation. He did this or she did that. Uh, and so what do, what do we do? Uh, just by nature, 
we do exactly what our heavenly father did, which is we go down to find out what's actually happening. One, are these cries, are these outcries true? And if so, what's, you know, where's the gray, where's the black, where's the white of it all? And then how do we bring about justice? Um, and it just made me really like kind of feel grateful for being a dad uh, who loves his children because that's what God is doing. He's loving his children and saying, I'm hearing all sorts of these grave outcries about your sin and I've got to come figure this out and see what needs to be done about it. Interesting that none of the scriptures, uh, at least in English, say anything about God wiping them out though. So it's interesting. Right. Abraham goes there. The Lord just says, I mean to find out. So I wonder back in the Hebrew or the Greek, you know, what, what did that really mean? I mean, to find out me, I mean, to wipe them out. Yeah. yeah what, what, <laughs> if this is true. <laughs> In ancient Hebrew, right, to translate, figure that one out. But we've got a few things on my plate before I get to that. <laughs> like building buildings for work. Uh, yeah. Which is probably better off. Nobody needs to be trying to interpret ancient Hebrew. So Yeah, yeah I don't know. Re I just... Retirement for that. <laughs> to all of our listeners, stick around. <laughs> yeah. The next 40 years when we finally retire. Yeah. Well, it's funny, you know, that idea of, um, you know, God's justice, you know, we told you and Jim, we finally started watching The Chosen, right? Mm -hmm. And yeah. then, like, I think it was Good the show. second episode where Jesus is teaching the kids before he even, you know, he, before he even gets his apostles on board. And that's a main theme of what he's telling these kids. It's like, hey, you know, it's God's justice. You know, it's not, not yours. It's his. So, you know, you focus on how you react to it. And I was like, huh, you know, that, that, that seemed to be a theme this week uh i guess so kind of cool, kind of cool. yeah awesome well that was the first reading uh, that that's a yeah i spent a lot of time there kind of thinking through all that um, lots to pick through yeah <laughs> yeah it typically is with the old testament i feel like uh, <laughs> yeah so i don't know if you saw anything in, in the second reading and in, in, oh in for sure yeah i figured you might I I just want to really encourage our listeners uh, in terms of that very first uh, verses said verses we had, you know, and who knows if the lead uh, instrumental folks requires its churches are doing what they're supposed to be doing, which is to be chanting these responsorial Psalms instead of putting in verses of Eagle's wings or something. But anyway, it says, I will worship at your holy temple and give thanks to your name. And that word temple hit me in the face like Mike Tyson, just bam, temple. I can sit there and I can complain about the ugliest decorations that I've ever seen, about the canvas bags hanging that are supposed to be banners glorifying our Lord, all of the disgusting decorations, all the art from the 70s that's still hanging there. <laughs> and then I can be judged by God because it is his holy temple. And yes, it should be adorned as such, but I have to recognize, even if it's not, it's still God's temple. And he's inside that tabernacle. He's in that altar, represented in that altar. He's represented in the priest in the readings. And I just need to get over myself and close my eyes and pretend I'm in this glorious <laughs> cathedral or something. Is there like a look on your face, like when you're going through that in your mind, like, you're, you're, you're scanning and, you, and you're seeing things you don't like in terms of decorations. And we, we, if, if we're worshiping with you, we can kind of elbow you in the ribs. 
<laughs> well, you, as our listeners are finding out, I was a former priest. And I got in a lot of trouble because I never got along with any liturgy committee I was ever on because I tried to show them this is not exactly what's glorifying God. Oh, yes, but for hippies, it is. Okay. <laughs> we better move on before you get me in trouble. <laughs> it's too, too early for that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it's a story that's going to come out. Uh, I mean, Chris's background <laughs> as a former priest and, and mine as a former atheist. That, that's the angle that we're, you know, I think hopefully trying to bring perspective from. And it's, it's clowns kind of, to the left and he clowns to the right. Here I am. Cut. <laughs> and we hope, we hope that our friendship is... Uh, Hopefully, interesting because of that, those those perspectives. But um, for me, I, and I'll, I'll I'll equate this to what did pop up was my first confession. Uh, now, for for those that don't know me, uh, that happened when I was about thirty one years old. So uh, you know, the former atheist, I, I took the long road. So my first confession was a doozy. But the 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 verse in the in the Bible. Um, that got me thinking about that was, um, let me find it here. Even when you were dead in your transgressions, he goes on to say, he brought you to life, St. Paul does. He brought you to life along with him, having forgiven all your transgressions. Mm -hmm. So he's saying, hey, yeah, you, you rightfully you were dead, you know, in terms of, of being righteous as we were speaking about before. But, but you know, St. Paul's noting Jesus fixed all that or gave us the pathway through. And it did. It made me think about my first confession. Uh, I, you know, I know what the popular culture thinks about with, with regard to confession. And maybe we'll do a whole episode on it sometime. But um, you know, the, the beauty and you know, the difficulty for sure, but the beauty of of kind of walking you through 30, 30 years the best you can. Uh, uh, an interesting fun fact is Chris was the priest that heard this confession, so he can't share with you. <laughs> I can neither confirm nor deny <laughs> under fear of excommunication. Yeah, he can't talk about it. So this is where he has to shut up. No, but but just the, the this amazing piece. Um, and I still get that that sense uh, now when I, when I leave. Uh, confession, you know, sacrament of confession, reconciliation is, is I, I always look forward to the, the, the process and, and certainly what happens afterwards. It's, it's kind of indescribable. But, but that that verse made me think about that. It made me grateful um, for the fact that, you know, yeah, I, I, I'm not worthy of, 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 you know, this this amazing forgiveness, but but it's there. Yeah. Um, and it's something to kind of keep in mind when maybe I'm, I'm having a bad day. So that, that's kind of the, the thing that the main thing that popped out when I was going through that. So, um, yeah. Well, and I don't know if you noticed, though, that uh, in that new, uh, in our new lectionary, or not new lectionary, but... Yeah, I guess the new lecture that came out. This is a word uh, that was not there in the old one, uh, but is there now. And I absolutely love it. Where towards the end of that reading, it says, having forgiven us all our transgressions, obliterating, not just wiping away, fading away, forgiving, obliterating yeah. the bond against us with his legal claims. And I really find that when I go to confession that, you know, if I don't have a whole lot of big sins to confess, you know, any sin is a sin against God, right? That's big. But sins, more venial sins, then, you know, I, I'm happy. I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I leave. I try to do better. But when I've sinned in a big way and I go in there in humility and 
just sadness and bring that to him, that's where you really experience the bigger the sin, the bigger the obliteration yeah. of that bond of sin that's that holding us, you know, to to the evil one, uh, which is as the scripture says that opposed us. So yeah, great pull out of that the confession part of it because we see the other sacrament, baptism, but uh, way to pull out the confession though. Right. Yeah. Well, the word obliterate seems about right to me. Because yeah. you know, if we, if what's happening is we believe what you know what, what's true is happening in there. Is that's the attitude we should take? Is it's been obliterated, so we can't get stuck in what's happened. It's time to sin no more and and, and not come back to that. So I, I love that word for that. So for sure. All right, on to the gospel. Um, you know, I wrote this out, and, it, and it's. For those of you, it's Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And the second reading we were just talking about was Colossians uh, chapter 2, verses 12 through 14. And we're talking about Luke here, the gospel of Luke. And, and um, in this gospel, you know, Jesus is teaching, you know, the famous, you know, Lord's Prayer. But then he goes further into it very quickly. Um, and he talks about, you know, seeking the Father. And, and I wrote mm-hmm. out, seek and you will find. Um, it's just that that those words popped out to me. Uh, and in, in to me, in, in this regard, so you know, I'm a I'm a we did that enneagram thing last week, you know, mm-hmm. the personality enneagram thing, and and this isn't a shocker to me, but I'm a I'm a truth seeker according to my enneagram, so it's always present on my mind, and that's what happened mm-hmm. here with this reading is that hey, you know, seeking you will find, and, and I have this, I don't want to call it a theory because I believe it to be true that if people, because I know this was my experience. Um, if people just honestly, truly open their minds or hearts to, to seek the truth and just ask the question, like, Hey, however you want to phrase it, is God real? Who is God? Why am I here? However you want to phrase that question. You really ask that question with an open mind, open heart. You're going to find the truth. He's not, God isn't hiding from you. You know, (laughs) he's not. He's not sitting there playing this stupid game of peekaboo or gotcha, you know. It's like, hey, I'm gonna start looking for God, and he thinks it's funny. He's gonna go hide in the closet or something. He's always there. <laughs> Spoiler alert: He's got better things to do than play hide and seek with us, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> so, but but that's what popped out to me. It's like, and it, it's, it's just, I don't know. Part of it's like that's amazing, but then I get frustrated too. And how many people are walking the earth like I was for the first 30 years, just flat out, not even ignoring probably what I, what is the most important question, you know, who is God or is God real? And and by seeking this truth out, he's, you're going to find it. It's a guarantee. That's what, to me, that's what Jesus is saying in this gospel. So that, that came out. Yeah. And sadly, it's probably more people than when you were an atheist uh, are walking yeah. around the world, no longer asking the question. And there's so many theories on that, I know. And you can look at theology, you can look at spirituality, you can look at ecclesiology, you can look at something as simple as, um, you know, antidepressants uh, and bringing people's levels to a, a, a point where they just kind of don't have any concerns at all about these kind of questions, which is not their fault. They're just trying to get their themselves to a place where they're more at peace and happier and can think more clearly. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's some that say that can even be part of what's taking away the fear of sin and uh, the fear of not following after God. 
and I, I you know, having been both a, a father in the church, a priest, and now a, a biological father, that whole thing of fatherhood came back to me uh, in the gospel as well, just as it had, you know, in the first reading about the father going down and trying to figure out what's going on with all these accusations. And here we have Jesus pointing to the father and showing him as the source of all that is good and all that we need, not necessarily all we want, but definitely all that we need. Right. And then as you said, he goes right into then uh, that explanation. Uh, so, you know, uh, and one of the things he talks about there is the fatherhood where he said, uh, you know, what, which one of you, uh, you know, where your son asks you for a fish and you give him a snake instead, right. <laughs> like what? And you who are evil even know better than to do something like that. So how much more our heavenly father, who is all good, knows to give us the greatest gift of all the scripture says the Holy spirit who can help us then navigate these times when we might be bankrupt or these times that we might be addicted to some uh, particular sin or these times that we are experiencing health issues. And we may pray as the, you know, the, the readings show us and we don't get the answer right away that we want, but God is giving us a spirit and the spirit helps us get through whatever those situations are. Uh, and, and to know that if my son were to be asking me for something, all I want to do is give him the best of that thing. And I'm wicked and evil. So how much more does God want to give him and give me uh, just such a consoling reading? Yeah. It's kind of funny. I, wrote, I literally wrote that part of the verse down too. And that, you know, but it was in reference to the whole peekaboo thing. Like, Hey, he's, you know, Jesus is making this point in this parable or, or, or what he's saying here is like, Hey, he's not a parable. I don't think, but, um, <laughs> he's gonna he's not he's not you're gonna ask he's not gonna mess with you he's not gonna give you a scorpion when you ask for you know it's just he's making a very dramatic point to this fact that all you have to do is ask um but i like what you're saying i mean um you know we're, you're right as a, as a father we we, we tend to want to give and, and do for our kids and but how much greater is god going to give for them and, um that's humbling in a way too like you, you know i'm sure you know, the ego in us is like, well, what, you know, I'm the father, but yes, but there's a greater one. So uh, it's a humbling point as well. So, yeah. well, what a lot of uh, a lot of you don't know you uh, yet because we've never mentioned you. Don't have no clue who we are, but uh, both <laughs> of us are Eric Church music fans. Mm -hmm. Can't say I stand for all of his social beliefs, uh, but I definitely love his music. And could never afford to give a neighborhood concert with him as the star, but I've definitely thought about setting up gigantic speakers in our neighborhood, just blasting his music all night long for a free concert uh, before they hauled me off to jail for doing that. But anyway, one of his songs, uh, some of it, he starts talking about all the different things that he's learned in the refrain. He talks about mama ain't a shrink, daddy ain't a bank, and God ain't a wishing well. And Bishop Barron, in his reflections uh, for the 17th Sunday Ordinary Time, talks about how God is neither a daddy Warbucks nor a Scrooge, but someone who encourages us to make our needs and our desires known, just like we see Abraham doing it in that first reading, and always trusting in God's goodness. 
So what about the 50? What about the 45? What about the 40? What about the 30? What about the 10, five? Like, I'm just going to keep making my needs and desires known, trusting that you're going to be patient with me and trusting in your goodness. And ultimately he sees a guy comes through uh, if there were in fact just 10 good people, which we find out later, there were not even 10. Yeah. So uh, I think wrapping this up, I think the message of this episode is just be one of the 10. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Just be one of the 10. Just one of the 10. <laughs> Easier said than done in many ways, but that, that, that message is kind of coming out loud and clear to me. So I've got myself all distracted now. Some of it is in the back of my head. Some of it. Yeah. <laughs> Kick it not, out of my head. You're gonna, back you're to the gonna, gospel. Back to the gospel. <laughs> you're not going to be able to sleep tonight. That sounds going to be all <laughs> And I'm, I'm refusing to think about the melody of it. So that doesn't happen to me, by the way. I won't let Very you take me down. <laughs> hey, Church, if you're ever listening to this, thanks for your music. Yes, sir. All right. Anything else you want to reflect on before we, we sign off for episode two? I just want to thank you for being a good father, Jason. Oh, me too. Your kids are older than mine, and I have watched you be a good father as a priest, and I watched you be a good father as uh, your friend and as a brother in Christ. And I just want to thank you for your fatherhood and being a light in the darkness. We're still uh, still working on it, but I appreciate that, my friend. All right. Well, uh, everybody, hopefully you got something out of this. And if not, come back. The next time and maybe you will but we, we certainly amen to that you know.